Good evening, church family. Hope you guys had a good afternoon. Glad that we can uh, be back together again tonight. We're continuing our study of the book of Daniel. So if you want to turn to Daniel chapter 3, that's where we'll be tonight, Daniel chapter 3. If you need to use the Bible in the pew in front of you, that's on page 739, 739 on the black uh, Bible in front of you. Uh, Daniel 3 is probably in Daniel, there's two stories that you know. Uh, you know Daniel chapter 3, uh, the story of Hananiah, Meshach, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fiery furnace, and you know the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Uh, Daniel 3 is an extremely important passage to me. I may go into a little bit of that here in a few minutes, but uh, really, you know, we're going to walk through, Lord willing, if we have the opportunity, we're going to walk through the entire book of Daniel, and there's lots of things after Daniel chapter 3 that are probably much less well-known and some things that are, we'll have to dig a little bit deeper. Uh, Daniel 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is a, a great story. Uh, Daniel 3.17 is uh, uh, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I long for the type of faith uh, that these guys uh, exhibit in this chapter. Uh, but it's, it's almost because I've preached this sermon probably here before uh, and talked about this a lot if there's a if there's a go-to sermon, if somebody just out of the blue asked me to preach, Daniel three is going to be one of the handful of sermons that I don't need notes to preach from uh, at all. So it's almost, even though it's an amazing story, to me it's almost I take it for granted, and I'm going to try not do that today. And I want us to appreciate it, and there's a, a few different points to take, but but here's here's one of the reasons why it means a lot to me. Uh, April eighteenth, two thousand twelve. Our son, uh, James, was born, and as we, most of you probably already know, he was born with a congenital heart defect. He died 13 days later, uh, and we, we knew that going into it, and kind of, you know, um, we had a lot of support from a lot of different people, and we were super thankful for that, and our attitude going into it was Daniel 3.17. We believe that our God can, we believe that our God will, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to turn away from God. He's still God. He's still good. And, and that's, that's the kind of faith I long for. Uh, and Daniel 3.17, the story of Hananiah, Mishon, and Azariah, and their great faith in the face of terrible challenge was something that helped us, helped me, uh, get through uh, the death of our, our firstborn son. So it's an extremely important passage to me uh, because of that statement of faith they made. And we made that statement of faith to people uh, in person and online. And, uh, and God helped us through those people that we made that statement of faith being there for us and bolstering our faith and helping us through things, uh, we were able to, to do this like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did and, and have that faith through a difficult situation. So it means a ton to me, uh, just, just that one verse, really. But I want us to think about and, and kind of set the stage and remind ourselves about what's going on in Daniel chapter 3 uh, and, and walk through it. I remember next week, I hope that you will uh, be here Sunday night next week as Evan's going to be talking about our new education program. Uh, it's going to be some really, really good stuff that I hope that you'll take advantage of on our Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings going forward as we begin to, to, to roll this out. Uh, also, Miss May wanted me to tell you that the fall fun fellowship on the farm, there's lots of other F words that uh, are involved there somewhere, good F words, uh, that, uh, that was inappropriate. Um, Starts at 5. Starts at 5 on Saturday. Be there at 5 o'clock. Daniel chapter 3, uh, verse 1. 
Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits, and he set it up on the plain of Nur in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. So, Uh, In Daniel chapter 2, there was a dream. You guys probably remember this from a couple weeks ago. Uh, There was a dream that the king had, and he called all of his wise men in, and he said, hey, I want you to tell me what my dream's about, but I also am commanding you, you have to tell me what my dream is. None of them can do it. Uh, So the punishment was, okay, you'll all all die. I'll just kill you all. Uh, He was a pretty extreme guy. Uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they appeal to God. God reveals the dream and its interpretation to Daniel. Daniel goes before the king, saves not only his, he and his three friends, but saves all the wise men, uh, of, uh, of Babylon. Remember, they're in exile at this point. That's why they're, they're in Babylon. Uh, and King Nebuchadnezzar is, is, of course, the king. We don't know exactly how much time has passed between the end of Daniel chapter 2 and the beginning of Daniel chapter 3. Uh, some have said, and I, as I was studying it for this week, uh, that this, this uh, statue was built... Uh, it could have been built in response to the dream. Remember, he had uh, part of his dream was that there was a statue and that the top of the statue was a golden image and it represented uh, his kingdom. The head was made of gold. And so maybe he's building it this all golden statue to represent uh, something related to that dream. And that's possible. Uh, others have said that during uh, the approximate time uh, that this statue was probably built, if you put together biblical history and secular history, that there was some sort of revolt. We know certainly there were some sorts of revolts against Nebuchadnezzar's rule in Babylon. So he was making this statue as a way to weed out those who were loyal to him and those who were not loyal to him. Because remember, it said in verse 2, he calls all the leaders over the entire Babylonian empire. And he says, hey, you guys come here and you're going to bow down to this God that I have made, this image that I've made. You're going to worship it, okay? And it was a way to, to weed out people who were faithful to him or loyal to him and those who, who were not loyal to him. So we don't know exactly why, but he builds this nice 90-foot-tall, 9-foot-wide statue of pure gold. And we're not told what it looks like exactly other than its height and its width. In my mind, I always picture uh, the Washington Monument, uh, that obelisk-type shape. Uh, Perhaps it was in the shape of Nebuchadnezzar himself. We don't really exactly know, uh, but we know what they're they're told to do. Uh, It's interesting... Again, it's, it's set up on the, the province, it's set up on the plain of Dura, so a very wide open flat area set on the plain of Dura, so you can just imagine a 90 foot tall golden image when the sun gleamed off of it, it could be seen for miles throughout the entire plain, right? Uh, so this very uh, uh, flat area, and it's also in the province of Babylon, that'll be important, and he, cool, he calls in verse 2 specifically all the rulers of the province, okay? Well, what do we know that happened in the last part of chapter 2? Last part of chapter 2, because Daniel was able to uh, proclaim the dream and its interpretation, Daniel becomes the ruler of the province of Babylon, So Daniel was one of the people who was called to this gathering of people who were supposed to bow down to the image. We also know from the, from verse 49 of Daniel chapter 2, uh, that, but due to Daniel's request that Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were made the administrators of the province of Babylon. Now where's the image at? It's on the plain of Dura. Where's the plain of Dura at? It's in the province of Babylon. So for some time, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel have known the king's plan to build this. This wasn't a surprise to them. They'd seen it from ground level to 90 feet tall. They knew it was coming. We don't know exactly how long it took them to build it, 
but they knew it was coming. It was happening in their district. It was happening in their province. They were in charge of, they may have been involved even in the building of the statue itself. They are the administrators of the province. This is happening in their province. Daniel is the ruler of the province. But when he's away at the king's court, and remember the king's court is also in Babylon, so they're all there together. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, and they know this is coming. They see it coming. They, they no doubt Daniel is, is one of the king's closest advisors. He knows what the plan is going to be. So they see all of these things coming. This can be kind of similar to, to situations in our life where we see things that are not what we think they should be, things that are not godly happening maybe in our families, maybe in our neighborhood, maybe in our schools, uh, maybe in our, works, our workplaces. We see things that this isn't going to end well. This isn't going right. I don't agree with this. But we don't know what interactions these four men had with the king or with anybody else prior to this. But we are told what happens when the command is finally made. In verse 3 and following, again, pretty familiar to probably most of us. If you don't know the story, take the time to read the entire chapter. We're just going to hit some of the high points. But all the leaders come. Uh, from all over the kingdom, all over the empire, okay? Big area, and who knows how long it takes them to travel days, weeks, months, okay? But they get there, uh, and then the, the herald, the, the speaker for the king proclaims, hey, when you hear all these different instruments playing, I always think it's interesting that bagpipes are mentioned there. Do you ever think of bagpipes in the Middle East? I do not. Uh, I think of, you know, Scotland, Ireland, that kind of thing. Uh, but bagpipes are mentioned here. Maybe they were similar or different to, to what we think of as bagpipes. But all, when you hear all this kind of music playing, what was it to be? Bow down and worship the image that I have made. And if you don't, you'll be immediately cast into a furnace of blazing fire. Again, maybe it's a political stunt. The king wants to know, are you with me? Are you for me? Or are you against me? Show me right now. And this is what happens. Uh, in verse 6, let's, let's read this. But whoever does not fall down and worship uh, shall immediately be cast into, a, uh, into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. I'd never thought about it before, but in my studies for uh, class this week, uh, I never thought, well, where, why does he have this furnace of blazing fire? Is that just something he had, you know, scattered around the kingdom? But one of the things that I read was that possibly this furnace was made to, uh, to smelt or to, get the, to extract the gold from the, from the rock in order to actually have built this golden image. So this, this furnace was made in the process of making the golden image itself, and it's just still there. And so he repurposes it as a torture device. Okay, again, tells us a little bit about this king, okay? He's, he's not a nice man, all right? And, and the, the temperature of this probably got up to uh, somewhere around 1,500 degrees. Uh, so it's going to be painful. Uh, you can think about, and again, another one of the things that I read is, you know, people have... Being burned alive is, is not something unique to the Bible. It's not something unique to this culture. It's something that, that happens. It's a terrible way to die. We, we recognize that. But one of the things that, that I read was that family members, if, if their family member was going to be burned alive, uh, they would make a request to somehow make the fire smoky uh, so that the, the person on the fire uh, would die from inhalation of smoke rather than die from the pain of being burned alive. Uh, that they would try to, to make it as smoky as possible. Because, you know, that's generally people who uh, die in house fires. They don't actually die from being burned to death. They die from smoke inhalation. Uh, they get too much. That's why you're supposed to stop, drop, and roll and crawl out of the house, right? That's why the firefighters tell us these types of things. Because if you get too much smoke th- in your system, then your body shuts down and you, you die from that. Uh, not necessarily from the, the fire itself. Uh, so 
a very hot furnace, a furnace of, of blazing fire. Uh, you know, later on, of course, we, we remember that uh, he gives him a second chance and he says, I'm going to make it seven times hotter than it's ever been. That probably was just hyperbole. Uh, maybe the, the maximum amount of, of temperature that they could have gotten uh, from the furnace during that time was, was somewhere around 1,500 degrees. Maybe it was already that, maybe it was less than that, but the point is a terrible way to die, right? Um, we go on, of course, the, the music plays, and we don't know exactly how many people are there, but all the rulers uh, of the entire empire of Babylon are there, and everybody bows down except for Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, there's a question that I've always had that we don't know the answer to. What did Daniel do? Did Daniel bow down? We would think, surely not, but we don't know. We don't know. But he, he may have. Uh, Daniel wasn't a perfect man. So it's possible that he did. It's also possible he wasn't present. He was on a work job, uh, something for the, the king asked him to do elsewhere. Uh, but this is his province. He's the ruler of the province. Generally, he stays with the king uh, because the king has a, a very close advisor. We're not actually told that the, that the king himself is, is here in this moment because it's reported to him what happens. It doesn't say that he's present there at the actual event, I don't believe. You can correct me later on that if you want to. Uh, but but he's, it's reported to him. So the point is, everybody bows down, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah do not, uh, and some Chaldeans, or remember, it's those, it's those wise men probably, and it seems to be, in verse 12, it says that these guys go to the king and says, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, do not pay attention to you. They do not serve your gods and do not worship the golden image that you have set up. Uh, when, it, when it says, they, just, they don't just say, hey, there's some guys we saw, they didn't bow down. I think you need to get them. They specifically say, hey, there's some of these Jews. There's some, some racism going on here, some prejudice. And, and they have reason to not like these guys because these are foreigners. These are exiles. These are people who were supposed to be slaves. But in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel and his friends uh, take the positions of leadership away from these other guys who, who had the, the pomp and circumstance uh, previously. So they don't like them, and it seems to be directed towards their, uh, their foreignness, at least in, in part. Uh, in verse 14, uh, it says, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, so they hear about, uh, Nebuchadnezzar hears about them not bowing down. He's in a rage. He's very, very angry. He calls them before them, and he said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you are not serving my gods and do not worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready... At the time that you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, that then you fall down and worship the image that I have made. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into a, the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And then I think this is the line. I think this is the line that God was already paying attention. But if God had not already planned on saving Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I think this was the line where God said, oh, that does it. I'm saving them now. The king says to God's servants, and what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? And God in heaven raises his hand and says, oh, that's me. And at that moment, I, I, maybe, maybe previously, but certainly by that point, in my mind, I picture God saying, well, that settles it. Those guys are not dying. I don't care what you do to them. They're not dying today. Right? Uh, and he gives them a second chance. That, that's interesting too. Why did, why did King Nebuchadnezzar give them a second chance? Why did he even take the time to call them before him? The, the herald had already proclaimed, hey, if you don't bow down, you will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. That was what the rule was. There was no, no, no exception given. 
Uh, but, but they're given a second chance. Maybe they were really good at their jobs. They probably were. Go back to Daniel chapter 1. They're wiser than any other wise men in, in the entire uh, court at the time. Uh, maybe they were good at it. Maybe uh, the king is loyal to Daniel because, again, Daniel was a very close uh, compatriot and, and uh, someone who is, is working alongside the king and helping him in many ways. Uh, so, so maybe that's what it is. Uh, but, but for whatever reason, they get a, a second chance. And then in verse 16, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you a response uh, to you with an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, and here's verse 17, here's the verse that I want to be true about my life. If it be, tr- be so, our God whom we serve is able to save us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will save us from out of your hand, O king. Verse 18, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your God's and we will not worship the golden image that you have set up. I long for a faith like that. That the next time Satan throws up, hey, what about this, Andy? Hey, what about that, Andy? Hey, doesn't this look good? Hey, wouldn't want to do this. That I want to say to myself, I want to say to Satan, and I want to say to whoever is representing Satan at that moment, my God can deliver me. I trust that my God will deliver me. But even if he doesn't, even if I have to suffer, I'm not going to do that. Because that's not who I am. I'm a follower of God. And it's not worth it. It's, it's important for us to note uh, that Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah would know why they are in exile. Why are they in exile? Because of idolatry. They have, been given, they have been taken away from their homeland. The promised land has been taken away from them because they have been guilty of idolatry. And here idolatry is put uh, before them again. And, and it says, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to suffer. You're going to be punished. You're going to go through difficult things. And they decide that they're not going to. Now, my question for us, and maybe, maybe some, uh, some application for us, of course, they have faith in God's power and in God's care. Why? Why? Why do they have faith that God will take care of them? Our God can deliver us. He's powerful enough to deliver us from you, O King. We have faith that our God will deliver us from you. And we have such faith that even if he doesn't deliver us from you, we're not worshiping your gods because he's still good and he's still God. Why do they have faith? Well, because they knew stories like David and Goliath. Because they knew stories like the parting of the Red Sea. Because they knew stories like Elijah on Mount Carmel. Because they knew the history of God saving and caring about his people. Brothers and sisters, we need to tell each other the history of God saving and caring about his people. Yes, in the Bible, but Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah also know from personal experience the saving and care, caring power of God. Remember in Daniel chapter 1, they're exiles, they're slaves, they're told to do this thing which would have defiled them spiritually. They decide, I'm not going to do that. And there was a danger there, there was a risk there that they took, but they decided to do it. And what did God do? God blessed them. Because they were faithful to him. In Daniel chapter 2, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are considered and accounted among the wise men of Babylon. What's the law that the king proclaims? If you don't tell me what my dream is and what it means, then all of you are going to die. Their life is on the line. And they pray to God, asking God, please deliver us from this. Please give us the information that we need that we can take to the king that will save our lives. And what does God do? He gives them the information that they need that they can take to the king to save their lives. Brothers and sisters, yes, I need to tell my children about the crossing of the Red Sea. Yes, I need to tell my children about David and Goliath. Yes, I need to tell my children about how um, 
all the different stories of the Old Testament, but I also need to tell my children about how when I had a son who was born with a congenital heart defect and he died, God brought me through that. I need to be able to tell that when I was tested in this way or tested in that way, but I remained faithful, that God brought me through that. Yes, I've got to be able to tell the stories of the Bible, but you need to know, I need to know, what's my story? How has God delivered me from the hands of evil people? How has God delivered me from the temptation to turn away from him? How has God delivered me from my sin? If we don't tell each other, the world, our children, that story, then probably these stories in the Bible may not mean as much to them. Why did Hannah and I, Misha and Azariah, have such great faith? Because they knew the stories of the past and they knew what God had already done for them. And that's the reason that, that Lena and I were able to make it through the difficulty in our life. And there's more to come and others than we've mentioned. Because we knew that God could do it. We trusted that he would do it. But even if he didn't, we would be willing to follow him. It's, it's, it almost goes without saying, but it's important for us to remember that Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, when they say in verse 18, but if not, if God doesn't deliver us from you, O king, let it be known that we are not going to serve your gods and we will not worship the golden image that you have set up. These men chose to be burned alive rather than to abandon their faith. You know that. We, we know that. But we need to remember that. They chose to be burned alive rather than to abandon their faith. And sometimes our, our cost is far less, isn't it? To abandon our faith, to shine as brightly as we're supposed to. Well, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. So I won't shine quite as bright or I won't make a stand where I need to make a stand. These guys serve as a tremendous example to us. So much so that, that in reality, in, in some ways, the rest of the chapter, verses 19 and following, in some ways, that story doesn't even matter. It's not even important. What's the important part of Daniel chapter 3? That Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were so committed to God that they would rather be burned alive than abandon their faith. We need to have faith like that. Physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. We need to have faith that we're willing to suffer, lose things, go through difficulty rather than abandon our faith. So in some ways, the rest of the chapter doesn't even matter, but it's in there, so it must matter somehow, right? What happens? What happens because of this great example? This great and mighty king who has already seen some evidence of God and his power in Daniel chapters 1 and 2 now proclaims that if anybody ever says anything bad against the God of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they're going to be punished. And, and Nebuchadnezzar, here at least, and, and maybe ever, he doesn't really ever come to a full faith in the God of the Hebrews. But he knows there's a God of the Hebrews. And he's impressed by the God of the Hebrews. He may never have followed him fully, but he knows he's there. And that's what our life would do. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and they glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's exactly what happens in Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 and following. Nebuchadnezzar sees what God does through these men, and he's impressed. And we need to 
impress people, not with ourselves, but with God. So my, my challenge to you is, is have a faith like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Easier said than done, yes. But let that be your goal. Let that be your aim. And if you're not there, then, then pray about that. Work on it. Study God's word. Remember those stories. And I, I certainly, I certainly would challenge you. If you don't know what your story is, what has God done for you in your life? Take the time to think about it. What has God done for you? What is your story of deliverance that God has given to you in your life? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be here together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the story of Daniel. We thank you for the story of his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Lord, we are impressed, and we glorify your name because of your servants, who thousands of years ago chose to rather be burned alive than to turn against you. Lord, we're also convicted by that because we fail you for far less, much more often. God, I pray that you will convict us, help us to repent of those sins. Please forgive us of those sins, and please help us to rise again and walk with you. Lord, be with us tonight as we leave this place and help us to remember that there's a whole world outside these doors, and there's a whole world right here in this room that need us to shine bright, to tell your story, to tell our story, to tell the gospel of Jesus so that people can know you better and glorify your name and ultimately follow you all the way to heaven. Thank you for your son. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.